Okay, we got a little uh, Pink Floyd running in the background. I'll uh, phase that out eventually. I don't know how loud it is. Scarborough Dude here once again for the Dixon Janes podcast number 807. Uh, I'll give you the date too. It's September 2nd, 2020. Little sprinkle of rain, and uh, I am here at um, Bluffers Park, of course. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, uh, just ready to go, ready to let it go. Now, I made some notes and forgot to sync my iPhone with my, uh, other Mac, which had the updated version. I didn't, I thought they'd sync automatically, but I guess not. I don't know what I did or didn't do, but anyway, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's not a problem. Uh, in fact, um, there are no problems today. Well, yeah, there could be if I wanted to find them. I, well, there's tons of them. Uh, like the car, the Acura, that is sitting in our garage. And I'm saying has to be out by the end of this month. Uh, asked my son if he needed help getting rid of it. He said, no, no, I'll do it. And uh, there's been no signs of uh, any activity there. Now, there are some people out there... As fathers, who would maybe have a certain way of handling things uh, with discipline, with consequences, with rules, with uh, an or else. And I have never been that man. And uh, I'm not going to start now. Uh, I will have to have another talk. There are things like the eaves troughs have to be cleaned. And that's not something I can do anymore. I used to love getting out the roof, but I can't do that anymore. And um, the problem with uh, number two son is that he often is not up till, mm, I guess, around supper time. So, you know, it's getting a little dark, dangerous to be on the roof. So we've we got to work on that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do those things. But I am not a disciplinarian, never have been. I felt I've brought the boys up well. They have good manners. Um, but a lot of it is, no, they, they've going to have to get through their own life, uh, as best they can. We, we've done what we can. Oh my God, I don't want to get into this whole thing. It's just, you know, when I woke up, I realized there are things that have to be done. Uh, you know, lots of things. And the other part of me said, yeah, but today... Let's just have fun today. Let's just have a nice day. So, uh, yeah, let's try and get back on track for that then. We'll forget about that white car in the garage for now. Uh, maybe the next thing will happen is my wife will remind me and I'll remind the son. It'll be something like that, perhaps. Um, she's probably a little better about being direct, but in, in a way it's, it's, it's the father's role, isn't it? And... Um, 
I'm kind of slack in that way, and perhaps I could argue that, well, my role model, my father, was a very similar. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, though, about upbringings, and this was a related topic. <laughs> I don't have this one. It was a test you could take, an online test. The link was to the NPR, I believe, um, to show if you might have health issues later on in life as a result of childhood trauma. And you go through a checklist, and it was things like, has anybody in your family, you know, been in jail when you were before all these things were before the age of 18 did you experience violence in the home were you ever physically abused sexually abused uh and there's a whole sort of checklist to go through and then at the end you add them up and they said this is not exact science and there may be countermanding forces for example even if it was a dysfunctional you know family strung out on drugs and sexual abuse Maybe you had a grandparent that stepped in and and fed you and and did well. So there might be a counterforce somewhere in there. But generally speaking, you get the idea. If if you've you've you start adding up the numbers here, you're going to have issues later on. If not your own drug addiction, your own abuse of your spouse, it's a very very sad reality check. Uh, and the thing is, I scored zero. There was not one thing on that list that I suffered from. And that, it's sort of like being born white. It's, you, you, you're ahead of the game. You know, you had a head start in life. And I have to acknowledge that. I mean, I, I do. But it accounts, it explains why I'm a, a bit of a, a, a peacenik, why I don't understand cruelty and abuse. Uh, and it's because I've never had to deal with it. I've never felt the consequences of it. <sighs> so I guess the idea there is should be a little more understanding of those people who misbehave in life or get into trouble and realize there might be some very real reasons for uh, the kind of behavior and problems that they are dealing with in life. Oh boy, this is what happens when you uh, don't sink your notes. Uh, but that's okay. That's a topic I want to talk about. Here's the good news. Let's, let's get on to some good news. The good news is I solved a problem today. Uh, and it's kind of funny because it was up against the backdrop of not dealing with the white car that's in the garage. That, By the way, it was pushed in. Me at the steering wheel, both my sons, last end of September when we got home from Vancouver a year ago, uh, pushing it in. I couldn't work the clutch, the gear shift. I could not figure out. It's a standard manual transmission. Something wrong with it. Uh, an oversized engine that's been added in. It was it was not a good choice in terms of my son's first vehicle, uh, and I don't think he has um, looked at it since. It's 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 sad. It's a very very sad story. A, a friend was a little bit influential in talking me into it. Um, and there's some pain in there too. It's 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 painful. So we'll just uh, we'll park that. Yeah, back to the good news. The good news is I know where I want my ashes scattered, um, and it, it's the perfect the perfect solution. Um, 
Lake St. Louis. Now, if you're from Lachine, Dorval, Point Claire, you'll know what Lake St. Louis is. It's part of the St. Lawrence River system. Um, and some people would just laugh. Oh, my God. Lake St. Louis, that's polluted. It's disgusting. Uh, and it hasn't always had a good reputation. But I realized I was looking for a place to connect to my roots. My, my father's work at helping dredge the uh, St. Lawrence Seaway. So the St. Lawrence is part of it. I always feel attached to it. I lived in Sorrel, first year of my life in Sorrel, then Valleyfield, and, and then Lachine. Lachine was where my tribe is from. The first tribe I really belonged to was Lachine. And Lachine sits on Lake St. Louis. Um, it's connected to the St. Lawrence. And, well, here, I'll read just a little bit about it. Lake St. Louis is a widening of the St. Lawrence River. So there you go. Okay, it's part of the St. Lawrence, and that's what I want. I was just wondering, oh, how am I going to get you know, my wife to dump the ashes out in the St. Lawrence? I may get some friends to do it, some machine friends, in fact. Uh, Lake St. Louis is a widening of the St. Lawrence River in the Hochelaga Archipelago. Um, it is also fed by the Ottawa River, and I like that because I lived in Ottawa. My folks you know, spent their final years in Ottawa via the Lake of Two Mountains at St. Anne de Bellevue, which is the end of the island of Montreal, another wonderful place. Uh, the Bohornois Canal, now the word Bohornois, I lived in Valleyfield, you know Bohornois, uh, the Bohornois Canal. The Soulange Canal, now the Soulange Canal ran before the uh, St. Lawrence Seaway was opened. And I remember as a child, my father driving us there and seeing old time, like 1950s, and earlier, freighters going through that just, it was so narrow, but they went through. Now it's a recreational, where people swim in it and dive in it and so on. But I remember ships going down the Soulange Canal. So that is just, just another piece of my history that, I, that I'm excited about. That was a big deal. Go sit in the car and watch, look for a, a boat, a, you know, a steamship on the St. Lawrence, or the Soulange Canal. Uh, sorry, anyway, and connected the St. Lawrence River and the Chattagay River. A lake is bounded in the north and east by the island of Montreal, thank you, by Bohornois Salaberry, uh, Vaudreuil Soulange. The town of Bohornois with its power dam, which I remember seeing and driving by many, many times when I was young, uh, and canal lie to the south. So I feel this is these are my roots. The West Island Shore is mostly built up of private houses, but includes some parks and clubs such as the Point Clare Canoe Club, the Point Clare Yacht Club, which I have been to. Um, islands in the lake include Dorval and Dowker Islands. Now, if you're from Lachine, you know Bushy Island. And I th- it might have been Dixie Island, I'm not sure. Um, anyway... So there is a whole lot. Uh, its average flow is 8,400 cubic meters per second. Hmm. Many species of French. Um, a small map by Samuel Champlain of 1611 names the lake. That same year, Champlain reported that a young man named Louis was drowned in what is now known as the Lachine Rapids. The Lachine Rapids. Another feature of my uh, my hometown. Now... <laughs> There's a lot of reports of uh, pollution in the lake and PCBs flowing in and so on. So, uh, But I'm saying, hey, that's all part of life. Uh, so that's where I want my ashes. So that takes care of something. I don't need uh, uh, even a plaque or a burial place uh, if there's some sort of, uh, you know, little bit of a ceremony to uh, dump my ashes into the... Uh, 
into Lake St. Louis and uh, see where they spread out. And you could do that anywhere from Lachine, preferably Lachine, not Dorval, not Dorval. Dorval is, uh, that was the other group, you know, the kids in Dorval. They took the bus to Lachine High. They, they, they were different. Lachiners, we just walked. So, uh, yeah. And, and my grandparents lived in Lachine. My, my dear, on my mother's side, maternal uh, granny and grandpa lived in the, uh, at the foot of 48th Avenue, right on Lake St. Louis, in fact. Um, in Lachine, and uh, then my other grandmother, my father's dear mother, who I loved so much, uh, lived with us in Lachine, in our house for quite a while, before she died. Okay, so, there we go. I'm taking a sip of one of these, um, I think it was a toffee-flavored, you know, one of the instant coffee packs. Um, it's okay. It's not as good as the Starbucks ones. I guess it's a cheaper brand. Um, but I, I, the day started off, I got a coupon from... You're still with me, aren't you? Thank you, thank you. A coupon from... Uh, an email, sorry. Tim Hortons. Oh, pumpkin spice latte. And I said, you know what? I never... You know you know, I go for my 99-cent coffees and so on. I'm not going to spend money on a pumpkin spice. That's okay for the, uh, you know, the Jasons of this world. The guys down in Tennessee and others, you know, like him... But not for me. I'm I'm budget conscious. I can't afford a Tim Hortons, you know, fancy pumpkin spice latte. And then I thought, yes, you can. And today is the day to do it. The reason is I was going to be celebrating my justification. I, need, I always need justification for <coughs> any expenditures. For example, I got the road track because uh, my leg wasn't working properly. That was a perfect justification. Um, the... Uh, Excuse was, well, I, f- I know where my ashes are going to go. If that's not a reason to celebrate, well, come on, what the fuck is? And I just got in the car, just put my shoes on, just got in the car, and I said, wait a minute, you got one of these instant packs in the in the closet. Just just go make one of those. You know, who cares, you know? Yeah, the pumpkin spice would have tasted a little better each time, but I don't care. Really, what was important was the podcasting I was doing, and of course, I wanted to have a coffee with it. So I got this and uh, wrapped up a couple of chocolate cookies my wife had uh, had made. Or no, she hadn't made, sorry. Bought, purchased, to have with it. And uh, here we are. Okay, next on the list. This is uh, this will be a long introduction, but uh, we've done with the wedding. The wedding was the previous episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Mark Blevis emailed me to say he really enjoyed it. Good job, Ken. So that made me happy. His exact words. Thank you so much for the great wedding update on Dixon Janes. And, uh, yeah, that's always nice to get. And that's a nice lead-in because really what I'm... The next topic, it's it's about me and it's about other people. Um, and I made a list of the other people. And I'm not going to be able to cover them. Like, I've already promised you a rundown on each of the friends of our Vancouver tribe who died... But there are other people who I have, as listeners to the Dixon Janes podcast, and who are friends for different reasons, but several through podcasting. And I've said this many times on the show, this is my great wealth in life, is the the friends I have. But it's not just friends who 
they'll do me a favor if I need something. But friends who make me feel the life I've lived is valuable somehow, that I have something extra to offer people that that is of value. And God, it's hard to explain because it, it's such a it's a it's such a powerful feeling that I really like. So I will come back another time to Rob in Thailand, Patty in Tokyo, uh, Brent Morris. I already talked enough about. He loves to be talked about, but uh, he's had his turn. Um, Francis Wooby in Charlotte Lake, who I talked about on a previous episode, uh, and uh, I am so much looking forward. To meeting again, Francis. I hope you can swing a, an invite to your cottage. Um, he'll get that message. Now, there are two others, and let's start going backwards. A, a, f- a few days ago, last week, before the wedding, maybe it was Thursday before the wedding. The wedding was Sunday. Um. I got a message from Yasser. Now, Yasser is somebody I have only met for maybe five times in my life. I'm thinking four. One was at the only cafe. The last one was on the deck of my house in uh, Scarborough. Um, There may have been two meetings. There's certainly one that was really acknowledged when I took a wonderful photo of him with long hair and a long beard. Uh, all of which are gone completely, uh, by the way. That seems to be a thing, people having long hair and beards and then suddenly it's gone. Um, at uh, PodCamp Toronto. And then on my 70th birthday, when he showed up, I hadn't had any contact with him, no communication. Oh, yeah, and now, and I'll go back to the, <laughs> the very first meeting, which he reminded me of, of course. Uh, but there was my 70th birthday. And he just showed up at this party. Some of you, quite a few listeners were there. Um, In fact, that story came up because that was the night that uh, Brent got so drunk on an early date with uh, the lovely um, uh, Brandy, his now wife. um, And they had to get on a go train uh, to go home. And Brent threw up like... uh, vociferously, if you can use that word, <laughs> on the gold train. And she was just like, she had a bag handy, an LCBO bag, I guess, and uh, managed to more or less save the day. But it was pretty disgusting for everybody else on the train. <laughs> so that story came up at Brent's wedding. Uh, not in one of the speeches, but there was reference to it. Um, so anyway, on that particular party, uh, yes, sir, totally surprised me. He was showing up, sort of, you know, surreptitiously came in and had a present for me and it was that beautiful blue t-shirt with Zen and the artist art of motorcycle maintenance on it that that the the t-shirt that he had heard me whine about that I didn't buy uh, in a small town I think it was Paris Ontario at a bookstore because I just couldn't justify the $25 price there you go Mr. Cheapy again um, and so he made one an original. And it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful, very simplified images, and you just know right away what that is. And just showed up at my party and had to, here you go, I got something for you. It was fantastic. So uh, anyway, the first time I met Yasser 
was in a park and I was with Sheen. Uh, I was going to talk about how successful all these friends are, but now Sheen, Sheen already knows he's successful. Uh, Sheen, um, uh, Pod Van from uh, Windsor, uh, we had been drinking at the uh, the Rooster's Cock or, um, you know, whatever, the big rooster bar I like to go to. It's a lot cheaper, not far from uh, the Down Under and, um, you know, these other say-what bars. Um, it's a kind of, it's the name of a rooster. You don't need to know the name. It's not important, damn it. Stepped outside. Standing there, I light up a joint in this little parkette that uh, is very well known in that area, right beside a sort of a triangular building. And this fellow walks up for uh, to borrow a match. And next thing, I'm I give him a joint, I think, to take with him. We start talking. We have got into this real conversation, and he's suddenly really happy. Wow, this is so cool. He had come up from the states. He was with a Nigerian girlfriend, and here I am. Uh, offering this stranger because you know when I get high I get I, I'm in love with everybody and just want people to be happy and uh, let them know hey this is a peaceful vibe here we we all care about each other and uh, so that was the first meeting and it was it was special and uh, that, that sort of started the friendship with yes sir now when he came over uh, last Thursday uh, he was once again he had gone through the whole sequestered thing of, you know, social isolation for 14 days because he had had come up, driven up from Colorado to Toronto to see this same girlfriend again. And uh, they were really, they said, no, you've got to be in isolation two weeks. And they actually followed up, called his girlfriend, called her work to make sure she could take the two weeks off for her to be isolated, which she did. And we're thorough about following it up, so he did that. And he was leaving the next day. He was going back to Colorado the next day. But he had something for me. Uh, and it is a record, an LP. He is a minimalist. Like, he just gets rid of everything. He has he has virtually no possessions. He just wants his life simplified, simplified. A, a very, very interesting man. Um, and... He had this one record, which is one he got uh, that meant a lot to him and wanted me to have it. So I have that record. You will be hearing something of it probably on this podcast. Uh, And I haven't decided. I could buy the whole record online and have digital version complete, which I may do. Uh, I can't tell you the name of the person right now. Um, there are several names. Um, the record is, is like must, must, something like that. I know I'm mispronouncing. Uh, but what an amazing gift. And it just made me think, wow, why are some people seeing me as special? And of course I want to think I am special, but the fact that some people actually know it, it's not just me who knows I'm special. There are other people who know I'm special. And that's why I mentioned Rob and Francis and uh, even Sheen and Brent asking me to be his, uh, you know, a groom and part of his wedding party on his very special day. Like that, people have called me out and said, Ken, I value you for who you are. And holy shit, like that's, 
that is, it's hard to describe, but it makes me feel so validated. I use that word validated. I need to feel validated that yes, the choices I've made in life, the life I've led, the way I am is appreciated by some. I express as much of as, as I can on this podcast and, and that certainly helped cement some of it. But um, it's not everything. Now, there's a whole other story, but I can see I've gone on for 24 minutes. And maybe I will save the Kenneth part. Now, let's plow on through. I'm going ma- to make a short version. I got a phone call from I was gonna say North Dakota last night. I got a phone call from North Dakota, okay, last night. Look, I'm talking about what's happened in just this week, just over a week, visiting with Francis, uh, having uh, Yasser come by my house with his record for me, and then getting a phone call from North Dakota from somebody who was moving in a van. Now, where did he get the van? He got the van in Oregon, outside Portland. Well, how the hell did he get there? Wasn't he from Atlanta originally? Yeah, sold the house in Atlanta. He and his new girlfriend, newer, got on bikes and bicycled out to the West Coast. Bicycled across the continent. And then when they got out to Oregon, decided now for the trip home, we're buying a van. And then bought an amazing van. He's posted pictures. That was one of the reasons for the call. He's doing a video. I'll post a link. Uh, well, an audio of their journey. So I've got to meet uh, Ali, his, his new his girlfriend. I shouldn't say new anymore, his girlfriend, period. It's just that I met the old woman. I visited him at his home in Atlanta when I went to Florida that time. Uh, so... That was exciting. And this is the fellow who I raved about not that long ago, although it's been many, many, many years, because he's listened to all the Dixon Jane's podcasts and is still a listener. He is the fellow who contacted me when he was still a college student in Georgia, and I thought, holy fuck, Dixon Jane's has finally reached this special place. I have a listener, a college student I've never met, in Georgia. Wow. This this is what counts. And, of course, since that time, we've got to know each other. We've met in person. Uh, he has been inspired by my journeys. I am certainly inspired by his. And it has been so exciting listening to him on his uh, YouTube uh, audio channel uh, talking about this new piece of his life, this van that he's bought. And it's only just happened. I mean, this is only days ago. And they're on their way back to Pennsylvania and then back to Georgia and then heading, you know, heading southwest somewhere, maybe via Florida, who knows. All of this happening during COVID-19. Like, this is what's so amazing about it. What a gutsy thing to do. And by the way, this is the same fellow who's hiked the Appalachian Trail. And that wasn't that long ago either. And that is a feat, is an undertaking. So the fact that Dixon Janes has people like this as listeners just makes me feel so special, so enriched. So, and, and just it just gives me the confidence, the energy, the will to keep going. But on top of that, it gives me. It, it makes me feel 
a need to continue to be as honest as I can. Like, to never sell out. I mean, there's no selling out possible on a podcast. But never to cheapen it. Never to, <coughs> excuse me, um, be fake or lie to. Always try and be authentic. I guess that's what I'm getting at. To try to continue because I think that authenticity mantra has what's got me listeners like this. And uh, for that, I am very, very grateful. So I'm just about out of steam. I didn't mention Glenn in Winnipeg, who asked to have a copy of uh, Dixon G's episode 795, the one I didn't release publicly, and wrote a very long, very interesting um, letter back going over some of the things in it about his upbringing. And suddenly I've got this Glenn, who happens to be, and I guess it's not... Well, me, I don't know. It's important. I guess it is important. He's blind on top of that. So maybe he, you know, he works helping other people. So he's an advocate for um, issues that concern people who are visually impaired. Um, he's lived a very successful life, uh, raised uh, two plus children of his own. Um and listens to the Dixon Janes podcast, Glenn in Winnipeg. So one more person. And I think this is, again, I mean, there are others out there. But it's it's listeners like this that make me feel, hey, 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 you're doing okay. Keep going. Don't, don't, you know, don't be so fucking insecure all the time. There are people who like you just the way you are. And possibly because of your weaknesses and your shortcomings and your failures and your self-doubt and everything else. As it is part of who you are. And maybe that's what helps put people at ease. So, uh, well, I'm going to stop there. Scarborough Dude from Bluffers Park. Uh, today is the day we go back and do another few chapters on uh, white I'm going to say white privilege. Uh, what is it called? White fragility. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism by Robin D'Angelo. D'Angelo. And uh, I'm not prepared. And I've been saying it's going through this has been a real struggle. But uh, I'm obliged. So, Scarborough Dude, signing off from Bluffers Park. That was half the podcast right there. Hope you made it through. Bye for now.
And I don't know which one I'm going to play next. Uh, last night I sat on my front porch. This is a new thing for me. I've done it two nights in a row now. I never sit. Nobody in the neighborhood sits on the front porch that I know of. But uh, I'm using the same folding chair that I'm sitting in now here at Bluffers Park, by the way, boat launch side. And um, I can just take it out of my car, put it on the front porch, and uh, put it back in the car when I'm ready. The cars are all parked right close to the steps. Anyway, anyway, that's another tangent. Where were we? (laughs) Lost already. I'm at Bluffers Park. It's September 5th, just after 11 in the morning. I thought I'd get here early. But already so many people coming around, you know, taking their little kids to look at the ducks and geese. Um, Yeah, so there was a lead there. There was a thread sitting on the front porch. Ah, listening to uh, that album that was given to me by Yasser that I mentioned earlier. And trying to pick what's my, what's the next cut. And there were quite a few. Uh, they were just really, really good. Last night I treated myself. I did something I, uh, I never do, and that was had a little talk, little few drags on a, uh, on a rolled joint. Um, I tried. I got out my vaporizer. I had bought one originally. It was about ninety nine dollars. And it looked very cool. It was high-tech. You plug it into your USB port, charge the battery. And it's been sitting in a box. This is the first one I bought. And I, I got it out, charged it. Oh, the batteries are on. The lights are flashing. Everything is working. And I put some weed in it. And I uh, held the button down. And the lights are on, showing everything's A-OK. But it's not. Nothing's happening. And then I realized, oh, I've put it away in that box probably a couple of years ago, because the coil is broken. It's, you know, the thing that actually heats up. This was probably the most critical component and maybe the cheapest made. So it's basically, you know, a $100 item that's beautifully engineered. I mean, it looks just great. That's useless. It's it's packed like, I mean, they've done packaging like uh, they do for uh, Apple products. Really slick. And what do I do with it now? So... I bought another one. God, that's all got to be at least two years ago, maybe probably more. And now I can't, I found the box and I can't find it. I thought it was in the road track. And then I thought, no, that'd be crazy. Don't leave drug paraphernalia in the road track. But I um, I couldn't find it. So it was back to the old, oh, Jesus, just haul out a joint and smoke. It's the stuff I bought at the on the Native Reserve at uh, Sweetleaf, and it was a nice little lift. Like, not nothing crazy. Uh, you know, usually with the other stuff I bought through the Ontario government, I just had, you know, two puffs and bam, I was cooked. Uh, this stuff, you know, it took more and for a lighter but very, very pleasant stone. God, I'm making a big deal out of this, aren't I? Uh, the point being that I managed to get those uh, digitized tracks from the album onto my iPhone and uh, listened. And by God, that was good stuff. So you will be hearing uh, one of those tunes. I don't know which. Check the show notes and you'll see. If I had recorded, it is now Saturday morning. If I had recorded Friday, 
you'd be hearing a very, very sad and unhappy Ken. And uh, I guess that's why I didn't record then. I just, you know, sometimes you, it's not just mood swings, but things happen in life. And I was on such a high at, for the first 30 minutes of this podcast. Look at me, look at me. I've got friends who like me. I feel validated. People care. Um, the thing that I, I valued, and I even made a note of it, is that people confide in me. Now, I like people confiding in me. To me, that's that's a sign of trust. It's a sign I've I've succeeded somehow. I'm a nice enough person that this person will open up to me. And, I mean, I hold on to those. You know, I'm not sharing uh, those private stories. But the fact that people do is important. Uh, it makes me feel closer to them, and it makes me feel somehow... Well, it's uh, clearly it's it's a deeper connection, and it, it's it makes it, it's more human. And and the point being, we put up so many barriers, so many layers. We hide ourselves so often from any chance of somebody getting inside to where we're sensitive and raw. And that's not good for us. And I think we're more and more like that. We have our poets and writers and musicians, I guess, who express themselves and, and take the chance to bear their soul or whatever. And, of course, a lot of fakers, too. Uh, and some people just aren't capable of doing it and don't want to and see no reason to. But uh, for me, that's what makes us human and separates us from just artificial intelligence or these, you know, the masses, you know, of consumer people who, uh, well, you know, are just appear to be very shallow. <sighs> Let's park that. Anyway, I guess the point being, I celebrated that so much that I, I had to crash and I had to come down the other side and feel it's all been a game, that I'm, it's not real. I, I'm a fake. And uh, I, I was trying to create myself to be this person uh, and in fact, now I can't say it. I, I guess I, I felt, I felt, okay, you, there were two things, friends and family. And I felt as much as I f was feeling I succeeded on the friend side, I was failing on the family side. And that's a shittier feeling because it makes you feel that, oh, that whole thing about friendship was all false. It was just a distraction. It was just, that's, that's easy to do. Being a husband, a father, a parent, oh, that's so much harder. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> that's the stuff I decided not to talk about, and here I am starting to uh, spill some of it. But it was a, it, I, I hit a, a pretty low point, and uh, it hurt. It was painful, <laughs> and I worried about the future, and I, that's what took me to sit in the dark on the front porch, and then... <laughs> I had like a kind of a turnaround. Suddenly I realized, hey, I like this. I've never sat here before. I've never taken advantage of my fucking house here. Our house, our home. Um, to be sitting at night, you know, there's the very occasional passerby walking their dog who doesn't even see me because I'm sitting in the dark. Um, how wonderful. And I'm looking at trees, these beautiful trees across the way. I tried to capture the photographs. It doesn't work. 
They and you know they have a life of their own. Uh, they don't need pictures taken. Uh, it was it was glorious. So I have the feeling that's going to be something I'm going to do more often, and and maybe even with the benefit of a talk, if I can find that second vaporizer, wherever I put it, God only God only knows. Um, I mean, I I find places for things, and uh, you know, then I forget what where those special places are. Yesterday, I shred a whole lot of documents. Uh, in fact, overheated my shredder. Can only take two, maybe three pages at a time. But uh, these were all documents to do with life insurance, and I felt, no, nah, I don't want those just going into recycle bins. Um, I've had to deal with uh, life insurance. Of course, costs go up every 10 years. And, and I guess I was doing some practical thinking and realizing, well, that's part of being a father, too. And I haven't failed on that. I mean, I've looked after banking and bill billing. I don't, have, I don't owe any. Anytime I owe anything on credit cards, it's paid in full. I've never, I don't pay a penny on, you know, charges. We don't owe anything on cars. The only thing is our mortgage. Um, so, I mean, on a practical level, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm being responsible. And I've told by other people, hey, no, you're a good father. Don't worry about it, you know. But... You know, we, we can judge ourselves pretty harshly sometimes, and uh, uh, certain things can set us off. God, i got to get out of this loop. Your family is the people you choose. Yeah, I've said that before. I've quoted that before. Other people have said that. And it is true to a large degree. I realize I, I was talking about all those letters that uh, I wrote to my sister when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I guess, uh, and was very, appeared to be very open. Um, I'm a lot more closed now with my sister and, and my brother. I mean, I, and there are whole, whole areas of conversation we simply won't have. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. And when I say family, I mean, I'm talking about my sons, but also older brother and sister. I did tell my sister where, um, what I told you in the previous clip, where I want my uh, ashes scattered. <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she took it fine. Oh yeah. Ah, so still have to arrange. Be nice to prepay the funeral. I do have. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Come on. Let's move on, dude. Jesus Christ. Bigger message to Black Lives Matter. This is a note I just wrote. There is a bigger message to Black Lives Matter, and of course, this is stemming from uh, white fragility. I'm right near the end. I've just finished. White Women's Tears, which is the chapter I was dreading most because I knew it would get my defenses up. Um, the chapter 12 is the final one. Where do we go from here? I have not read that yet. I will. Um, I'm going to read out a couple of quotes that I highlighted just so that, you know, we uh, you, you get some variety on the Dixon James podcast. White people do need to feel grief about the brutality of white supremacy and our role in it. Our role in it. There's an hour here, a collective. If you're white reading this book, you're part of this. In fact, our numbness to the racial injustice that occurs daily is key to holding it in place, the white supremacy. But our grief must lead to sustained and transformative action. In other words, the point of this one is, hey, your tears are just bringing attention to yourself. Uh, a black woman responding to the idea of white women crying when they, you know, 
supposedly out of sympathy or empathy. We are abused daily, beaten, raped, and killed. But you are sad, and that's what's important. Uh, That was an angry statement, but understood. Uh, White men occupy the highest positions in the race and gender hierarchy. No argument there. Um, Because racism does not rely solely on individual actors, the racist system is reproduced automatically. Um, Racial inequality, inequitable relations are comfortable for most white people. Now here, this one is pretty uh, to the point. Tears that are driven by white guilt are self-indulgent. When we are mired in guilt, we are narcissistic, 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 and ineffective. Guilt functions as an excuse for inaction. Wow, that is true. We need to reflect on when we cry and when we don't, and why. In other words, what does it take to move us? I'm going backwards to the chapter for things I highlighted, but uh, we're just about done here. <laughs> when a white woman, no, no laugher here, no, no laughter. When a white woman cries, a black man gets hurt. That was in relation to uh, Emmett Till. Um, Emotions are not natural. They are the results of the frameworks we are using to make a sense of social relations. This is the thing. To repress our feelings seems counterintuitive to being present, compassionate, and supportive. But you've got to remember, our emotions are shaped by our biases and beliefs, our cultural frameworks. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put that down. I think when I... I said that thing, and I think this came to me last night when I was a little high. Um, There's a bigger message to the Black Lives Matter movement and to this white fragility. And I think that message is about all the injustice and that I'm not seeing all lives matter. I'm seeing the next thing to follow after this, once we've woken up to what's been done and to from our positions of privilege that we've been very comfortable with and and continue to be there needs to be an awakening to our inherent cruelty i've been watching a show on uh, i guess i don't know the end of civilizations or the decline of civilizations it's it was started as a podcast now it's done with visuals and it's very good it's on um uh, you can find it on YouTube and uh, watched one on Samaria, which uh, went on a bit too long. But last night, I, the one I really wanted to watch was the decline of the Roman Empire in Britannia, in, in Great Britain, and the reasons why. It was very interesting. It, it, from a person who's interested in uh, the history of England and why it was such a mix of these various groups, uh, and why Hadrian's Wall was built, yeah, all of this stuff. Uh, I, I found it truly interesting. But when you read about, you know, the Romans would leave because the leader uh, of, uh, you know, the emperor of, of England or the leader uh, would, if there was trouble in Rome, he might race back with his entire army to see if he could become the next emperor. And, of course, that left England undefended. And then we're talking, you know, the period between, up until 400 uh, A.D. 
and then the invaders would come, the Celts and the uh, coming down from the north. <coughs> And the uh, Saxons and all these other groups coming in and just laying waste. And it just, you think of the horror if you're just a simple farmer just scratching out a living. And you've got these armed bandits of, of you know, from wild cultures coming in to murder you. And then raising whole towns. The Romans would build a city. And then these cities were all ransacked. And just, uh, and many of the raiders had come, no prisoners, just to kill everybody. And you know there's the brutality and the rape. And, and the simple horror of everything that mankind has done. Like, and it's a continual history. And I thought, well, I, thank God I didn't leave then. And they think, well, wait a minute. Now, what's going on? What's been going on in Syria for so long? What's, what, what's happening all over? And then just a reminder of uh, the winds of war, or war and remembrance that I watched, bringing back a horror that's so hard to believe of a of a race of people white people wanting to eliminate others in, in the most effective way possible by by mass gassing and incineration um and thinking whoa this this is so horrific it's so hard to believe this is the 20th century folks and what is still going on now that, that we're not seeing? And, and who's being raped and murdered? I, you know, I'm sorry. I know this is dark, but it, that's what I felt was the next step. As I sat in comfort in the dark on my porch, within this bubble that I often refer to of, of being Canadian, being middle class, being white, growing up, post-war and never facing hunger, starvation, threats, armed bandits, just living this comfortable existence. What what do we owe? What do I what do I have to do to, to pay back, to show my gratitude, to to celebrate this extended peace that's been all around me? And the only thing I've come up with is going right back to the circle. Well, extend your network of friendship. Be kind to those who you can be. Make new friends. Be gentle. Be be loving in whatever way you can be. And just spread good vibes. Be nice. Just do the things as simple as that you don't you can't change the world i can't go out and magically wave a wand and change humanity into one of kindness and but do your part in whatever way you can god end of sermon folks but it's just it it seems so hard to so wrong to block out the horror, and yet we don't want to live with that every day, you know? And so this said, oh, well, I'm not part of it. Well, what is, what is it we are upholding? What system does my indifference keep in place? I don't know, and, and there may be better answers to this than, than all my paltry, be nice to your friends. But uh, I, that is a start. Um, 
help your friends be stronger? I don't know what that means. Go reach out to your friends when you need help. That's that's certainly for sure. That's advice for anybody. Have trust, build trust, create trust. Let down your guard. Cry. Be gentle. Be kind to animals. Don't hate strangers. Sometimes I find that hard in Bluffers Park when there are too many people or they're too noisy. I want them to go away. Okay, I guess I'll stop there. I, there was nothing else in the way of notes that I needed to share. Um, I want to leave room. I guess I give a shout out to one more person. I mentioned a lot of people in terms of friends that you know I may come back to and say more about. And one of them was Tom uh, Fog, Lung, Fog Fog Tom of the uh, Fog Lounge. She was just done a remarkable job of keeping that damn business going during these hardest of times and just doesn't quit. And Tom is a very, very special, rare person. A bit crazy. I mean, every one of my good friends is flawed in some way. Tom certainly has his share. Uh, but but I guess forgive. Maybe that's another one of the messages. You you forgive as you hope they forgive you for all the, your, the stupid things you do and say. Um yeah, I, I I salute Tom Lucier. Is that Lucier? Lucier, whatever whatever his name is. It's not Lucien. Lucier, one time probably French Canadian name. L U C I E R. But know know him as Fog Tom. And uh, if you're in Windsor, go go sit in the parking lot. Although he's there, I think they're uh, feeding people and uh, serving drinks again indoors. I really do miss Windsor. Windsor is a very important part of me, and it's the one thing during this time of COVID where we can't travel or we've got to be careful. I guess I'm, it's getting close to the time when I probably could take the right precautions and get down, but it seems a little... Or maybe the, maybe this winter, well, maybe later this fall, I really do miss the fog lounge. I've got to get, get back in there. Did I leave anything out, boys and girls? This is going to be an early. I'm sneaking this one in because it's Saturday and I've already finished. And uh, so forgive me the indulgence of uh, putting out a, a podcast ahead of time. Scarborough Dude, signing out from uh, Bluffers Park. Bye for now. <laughs>